everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. As always, I'm joined by another very fashionable, relatively good-looking guest. Today, it's our friend Molly Pearson, all the way over from uh, California, who is awesome. Right, so just a real quick heads up, as always, sponsored by, we're sponsored by StorySellingBlueprint.com, AdelaMarcy.com, and Vibrancy.com, which is Molly's site, but we'll talk about that in a moment. She needs to launch it and get off her ass, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Molly, thank you for being here. I'm so glad that you're actually on this call. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. I'm glad that you're here. We've been trying to do this for a while now. Yeah, someone decided to go to Costa Rica and, like, just, you know, chill for a couple of weeks, damn it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I've been traveling since I was in utero, so it's hard to nail me down to one place, especially places that have (laughs) Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think which is nearly everywhere now. Yeah, Yeah. although I do a lot of... um, nonprofit work in Kenya. And so when we're out in the bush in the middle of nowhere, uh, no Wi-Fi. Wait, hold on. Do you speak Swahili? Uh, very little. Okay. You and I are going to have to converse a little bit after this call. Okay. Because I'm Tanzanian. <laughs> that can be so... like the bonus episode is like a little bit of Swahili. Yeah. Because I'm Tanzanian. So I speak both Kiswahili and Swahili. So yeah. Welcome welcome okay. to the clan of Brown. Sure. <laughs> ah, fuck it. I'm going to keep it in there. So racist insults have begun, I don't know, five minutes into my show? Yeah, that'll be fun. Two minutes. (laughs) Two minute count. Yes. Almost winning. Anyway, so please tell us a little bit more about yourself because I know some stuff about you, but not a lot because I don't really research. I like people to talk about themselves. So it's your open, open mic and open floor to you right now. Sure. So... Um, I think one of the maybe more interesting things um, or more surprising things that um, I tell people, this thing that I used to do uh, when I was growing up is called equestrian vaulting. And that's when you get a team of full body spandex clad middle school girls doing team gymnastics on top of a horse while it runs around in a circle. That's a thing you have to YouTube just to fully appreciate the um, magnificent, fantastic absurdity of the sport. Um, How many people did so, break break broke their legs? Just curious. How many broken legs are we talking zero. about? Zero. I have been hurt much worse riding horses than I have vaulting. Okay, that's saying something. <laughs> so they teach you how to fall. You know, they teach you, like, they're like, okay, if you're going to fuck up, this is how you do it and not break your neck. Because we don't wear helmets. But when you're, like, sitting backwards on a horse's neck and you're holding another human above your head, you got to learn how to do it safely. Okay. Uh, that is a thing that either I've got to look at or I've... There's going to be a YouTube video underneath people somewhere. Just go to the site and yeah. find it. Yeah. So I think that um, sort of bizarre absurdity um, kind of... When I found that, I was like, oh, my God, like, there's a sport in the world that exists that as, is as weird as I am. Um, and that sort of, I guess, laid the foundation for, like, this um, kind of personal mission that I have for myself and for others to, like, seek out and find and embrace play as much as possible. Play, creativity, and freedom um, is, like, what I'm totally all about. And then the, like high school, college years of trying to like fit into the um, mold of like equestrian vaulter and fit into the mold of fucking full body spandex um, led me into like super, um, you know, intense like hyperactive workouts, um, eventually led me into an eating disorder and just a like big fat stack of problems around like overachievement and perfectionism. And so, um, in like recovering from that, um, I I kind of learned to like untangle all this like the like shitty critical voices that live inside of my head and um, free up a lot of headspace. So now like what I'm all about is like is like using play, creativity, and like freedom, um, and using that to help people kind of like dump out all of the the shittiness in their mind that like takes up so much space that stops you from doing all the things that like you're actually meant to be doing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. I probably are going to working with you at some point because of it's like, really, you managed to silence them. Usually I just give them toys and go, go sit in the other room. <laughs> they don't yeah. listen though. They're little assholes. Yeah. Well, to be fair, mine, mine have manifested in physical form known as my two cats, namely Chase, who is my boy and 
Hopefully he doesn't meow during the show, but he will because he's a douche. He's Loud co-host. Right at me. No, because he sounds like a baby and everyone thinks I have a child. I'm like, no, it's my cat. There's no babies here. I don't have children. If I did, trust me, I'd be the first one bragging about how cool my kid is because he'd be like dressed up as Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader most of the time. All right. Well, maybe you could get your cat a lightsaber. I tried. He smashed it. It did not end okay. well. It well, did not end well. Duct tape we... is melting. <laughs> we need kitty duct duct tape. Someone please invent that for us. Just, just <laughs> I, I, by the way, I, I'm so tempted to buy those things that you sent me. The kitty press on nails. <laughs> like this close, this close to actually get them. I'm like, mm, can I do it to them? Like black with like maybe a little bit of glitter, so it's still manly, but also like slightly sassy. That sounds about that sounds about right for him because um, he has a stripper collar, by the way. Is it like pink with little um, like? It's black no. with shiny like fake diamonds on it, and it's a bow tie. Ah, uh, okay. We gotta get a, like an image of that also in that, with this podcast. That, that, there will be an image sent to you. I don't think uh, I think it's online somewhere, but if not, I'll find the collar and put it on him and take a new one. <laughs> but like he wears it like to the side and stuff because he's like I'm so cool. <laughs> He's got swag. He's got swag. He's got swag. Though right now he's getting beat up by uh, the girl cat because she's like, I, I don't want anything to do with you, so I'm going to smack you upside the head. It's really fun watching them. But anyway, back to the show. So as far as it goes with like head uh, like headspace and fun play and creativity, like college is a wonderful time to do a lot of this stuff, mainly like expand out exactly what's going on, but you get a lot of anxieties there. So what was the one thing that actually led down the path to you kind of untangling the giant ball of mess that is the Christmas lights of the inner voice. Oh, the Christmas lights. I like that imagery for it. Um, I would say sort of, um, there it is. Yeah. That, such an asshole. I would say that like a few, a few years of therapy kind of set the stage for me to be willing to dive into my yoga practice and my yoga practice was the first place in my life where I had ever gotten any messages that were like, hey, however you're showing up right now is all good. Like, if you need to take a child's pose, take a child's pose. Like, if you want to push it, you can push it. But whatever your practice looks like, whatever your body looks like, whatever shapes you're making, it's totally all good. And I'd never heard that from my coaches because my coaches were all super type A, hard-driving, um, clicky, douchey, nasty um, assholes with like super, super high standards who ran their, um, practices in a really kind of mean and nasty way. Um, so there was no messaging that was like, Hey, like, nice try. You'll get it next time. It was like, this is what you did wrong. This is what you did wrong. This is what you did wrong. Um, so I, I really have yoga to thank for, um, this kind of like, uh, platform slash melting pot of like time that I could spend um, getting positive messages that I had never heard. And like just getting to kind of, um, when you hear something that like strikes a chord for you emotionally and you're on your yoga mat, you have nobody else there with you to help you process it. You have nobody else to talk it through with. You have nobody else to pull you out of it. It's just you and your sticky emotions and your mat. And you either cry it out or you push it down, but eventually it just kind of keeps coming up and, and you realize, like, I have all of the capacities to, like, handle this. Um, at first you think it's bullshit, right? At first no, you're like, no, okay, no. you can deal with bullshit, you know? No, no, for me, it's to do with the sticky imagery. That's what I'm giggling about right now because I'm like, I've done yoga for, like, a long time uh, on and off, but... It's so true. No one tells you how sticky yoga is, like, ever. Like, no one tells you you're going to, like, yeah, fair enough, you're going to sweat, but no one tells you you're going to stick to your goddamn mat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like peeling yeah. yourself off, like, ugh, why? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the reason I'm, by the way, the reason she said that was because I was shaking my head. I mean, this is not going to be a video interview, obviously, but, like, we can see each other, and uh, it's all giggles. But I was going to say, as far as it goes with, um, I get the exact same results from the isolation tank, though. Like, yes. I mean, have you ever done the isolation tank? Yes, those are amazing. Yeah, um, wait, you're out in California. You're in, wait, are you in Berkeley or in San Fran right now? I'm in Berkeley. Okay, so not too, how far are you from LA? Because I don't know. I'm about a six-hour drive. 
Okay. Fuck that then. There's a place close. <laughs> there's a place closer to you. Look for Crash in particular. He does the best float tanks in uh in the world, in my opinion. Um, he's the kind of the pejorative of like what is now the design for float tanks. Um, but dear God, if wherever you are in the world, if you're listening to this, just go look for a float tank. But there's a few rules I'll have. First of all, be sober as shit when you go in there because if you don't. You're gonna hate, you're not gonna have a good you're not gonna have a good experience. Two, have a question in mind of what you want to solve, and three, breathe, like mm-hmm. a lot because when you're in there, you you freak out. I mean, I go frequently, but I think by the fourth time I went, I started tripping, like naturally tripping. Like I started hallucinating, and that it was really weird. So I freaked out, obviously, because I was like, "What the shit's going on?" Didn't breathe. The guy outside, like, heard me, like, freak out, came in and was like, breathe, breathe, you'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, so much for isolation. Um, yeah, no, they're, yeah they're, they're really cool. When I did uh, my tank, there was, like, this sort of, like, out-processing room that you could go and kind of regroup and, and re-entry. And there's these big journals where people can write stuff down afterwards and reflect, and you can flip through what people were saying. And some of the things that people were writing are legit like some of the things that I've heard people say while they're on acid or this one mom talked about how the float tank was like healing her autistic son and it's just made a world of difference for him so yeah wherever you are in the world go find one and do it yeah it's it, if you're having like insomnia I swear to god if you have insomnia it's one of the best things to do um the amount of time like I fall asleep in the tank that's the messed up part I fall asleep for like 20-30 minutes at a time Feels yeah. like two or three hours have gone by. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never woken up from a tank session not freaking the fuck out that I've not gone over my time limit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wait, so no, deeply relaxing. Yeah, well, it's amazing. But combine that with yoga, um, and you've got something crazy. And for the guys on this call, I mean, for the people that know me, like I, I would suggest doing some sort of sport as well. For me, it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because yoga, Jiu-Jitsu, and isolation tanks like married together in like a really happy unison. Mm-hmm. But it's just, oh, it's like the best feeling in the world. Like, and I can do an entire show based on this one thing. But we're not going to do an entire show based on this thing. We're, we're going <laughs> to pull it back because I'm super curious about, um, in particular, about the headspace thing because that takes balls to do. Because if you're in that area and you're not, well, you're never ready to confront the beast that's inside you, ever. No, everyone can tell you, oh, you'll be ready. No, motherfucker, you will never be ready. It's just, do you have the balls or gal balls to actually go ahead and stand up to it when you're in there? Mm-hmm. So, A, com- commendation to you for standing up to it and actually understanding how to unfuck your brain. Um, but the second thing is really, like, what was, like, the experience that you had that really... I'm going to try and wear this right. So it's not the experience that you had that like led to this, but what was the experience that led you to actually overcome that initial fear? Because I'm assuming there was like a level of fear initially when you're like, why am I thinking this? What the hell's going on? I'm going to freak mm-hmm. out for a second or medicate or drink or do something or whatever it is that your process, what your compensating tendency is. How did you start from going to that to actually facing it? Like what was your strategy? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think, I think all of us have, whether we choose to listen to it or not, this, um, this inner guide, you know, you can call it intuition, you could call it relationship with source, you could call it your um, connection to your higher power, you could, whatever the hell you want to call it. We all have this thing that like, kind of just like, knocks slightly gently from the inside that's like, hey, Like, it's time to do things a little bit differently. It's time for something else. It's time for a change. Um, It's time to, like, you know, end your relationship, right? It's time to quit your job. It's time to try whatever it is. Like, we all have that voice that tells us whether we want to hear it or not and whether we want to listen to it and whether we want to respond to it is an entirely new thing. Um, That's, like, a whole different can of worms. But I think... Um, when I had, when I had gotten to my lowest point, I was just exhausted. I was so fucking exhausted of my day looked like this. I would wake up 
and I would go to the gym for an hour and then I would go for an hour run and I would try and mentally calculate how many calories I'd burned. And then I'd come back to my house and I would eat like um, uh, no fat, no sugar, no taste, no calorie, no joy, like no flavor, whatever, yogurt or something like that. And I'd write down how many calories were in that yogurt. And then I would like get up and I would walk to class. And then I, I would sit there in class and instead of listening to my teachers, I'm looking around at the room and I'm like, I bet that person weighs this much. How come that guy over there can eat a sandwich guilt-free? Like, how come that girl can like drink a Coke and not hate herself or feel bad? Like all this fucking like garbage monster in my mind was completely stopping me from having any type of experience in my life outside of this like obsessive um, chatter. And so, and when I wasn't doing that, I was standing in the mirror looking at myself and fucking crying about how much I hated my body and the way that I looked. And I was just like, this is, this is, this is no way to live. You know what I mean? This is true. I was going to say for everyone else that's not able to actually quickly search what Molly Pearson looks like. Um, she's a complete babe, by the way, just really <laughs> hot, just putting it out there, like straight up killer. So, yeah, th even they go through this, by the way. So just, just be nice to them. We're all crazy here. But, okay, so I've got a real quick question here. And if it's not too personal to actually ask, but what was the eating disorder that you actually went through? Yeah, so um, so I was anorexic um, and super fucking, like, controlling over calories in, calories out. And I was trying to get it down to, can I eat? 900 calories a day? Can I get my, you know, BMI down to 14%? Can I get to, you know, 109 pounds? And I did. And like, I was wearing double zeros and my jeans were too big. And I would look down at myself and I'd be like, you fat piece of shit. Wow. You know? Wait, it's so, so I guess one of the stupidest questions to ask a woman. So feel, okay. If it offends, you get one free shot to the face when we meet up in California or in London. Um, or in Kenya, for that matter. How much are you walking around at right now? Like, what's your weight right now? Now I'm about 155. Right, but a happy 155. I'm a happy 155, yeah. What? I look great. I feel great. I, you know, there's I, – I don't really have hang-ups about it. And you're body. quite tall as well, right? You're like – I'm guessing 5'7", five, 5'8"? Five, yeah, 5'7". Okay, yay, awesome. Guessing powers yeah. worked. Sorry, just totally <laughs> threw it. But 5'7 at 155 is fucking amazing. I mean, you're basically kind of, well, happier and healthier. Yes, I'm so much, oh my God, I'm so much happier at 155 than I ever was at 109. Jesus. Yeah. This yeah. being said to and a I guy, would like, go on. You, you were like, who just <laughs> said to a guy who looks like Jesus. Um, I would, I would hit a weight and I would be like, maybe I'll be happier if I hit 130. And then I'd hit 130 and I'm like, I could totally hit 120. And then I get to 120 and I'm like, I for sure could hit 115. And then I hit 115 and I'd be like, all right, I'll be stoked if I can get to 110. And then I got to 110 and I was like, I can keep going. And then I got to 109 and my therapist or my nutritionist referred me to a therapist who made me get um, bone density screenings before she would see me. And I started losing... Um, bone density in my pelvis and my spine and she was like you have to stop working out because you're gonna shatter your goddamn bones and I was mm -hmm. like okay this is I, I know that I know I need help this is this is physiologically like really fucking me up yeah your body will actually tell you that and what I was gonna say was not only that um I'm currently walking around I think I told you I'm walking around 180 right now which is not my natural weight. I mean, I can carry 180 when I'm muscular, but injuries kind of prevented me from working out, so it's not healthy weight. But what's scary is I used to be 130. I used to be 130 pounds, and no matter how much I ate, I could never get above 130. Hmm. So eventually, when I had my spinal injury, this is actually what stopped me from fighting um, further on in my early years. Um, like nine years ago, weirdly enough, it was the same time I started my business was because I had a spinal injury and knee injuries and a jaw injury. I, basically, I was injured head to toe. Um, I decided I was going to eat really shitty food to try and see how much weight I can put on. And I think I got up to 175 pounds of really unhealthy weight on my body. Because, mm -hmm. uh, well, people don't really talk about it the other way. Because like, if you're really thin, you hate people that can put on weight. Yeah. The thing is, again, the trick is to actually find comfortability in your skin. Now, like, I'm at 180 right now. I don't like being 180, but I'm comfortable walking around. 
Do I take mm-hmm. my shirt off when I'm actually like out? Hell to the no. Because I see it myself. I'm like, nobody needs to see that. 160, 155, 147, I'll take my shirt off because I know, I know I'd look good at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's um, if I hit that weight, it's there's a purpose to hitting that weight. For me, there is like if if I wasn't training for a competition at those weight classes, I wouldn't even cut weight. For me, mm-hmm. I'd be like, all right, I'm 180 pounds. Lift some weights, get in shape. The number doesn't matter to me. I just look and feel good. Yeah, um, but I, but I I want to say something to you and to everyone who's listening to your point of like, am I going to take my shirt off? No, because nobody needs to see that. Like. I think that it's so, um, I'm so inspired and I'm so grateful for every human look like a super it gives other people permission, a, a model for this, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is my body. I don't care that I don't look like, you know, I'm super cut um, and I'm gonna do it anyways. And that's just, that's really living for you and your comfort and your, um, you're like, I want to take my shirt off. I'm going to take it off. Like, so I would, I would actually encourage everybody who's listening to this, like as an exercise, either one or one of two things, depending on how brave you're feeling. One, next time you see somebody working out without their shirt on, just like say a little silent thanks to that person who's like, you know, leading the charge in feeling comfortable in their skin, whatever it looks like. Um, and two, like the next time you're working out, if you're feeling real brave or sassy or like you just want to kick fear in the fucking balls, um, take your shirt off if you get too hot. Because at the end of the day, like, fuck it. Nobody's going to go home and tell their friends, you wouldn't believe it. I saw this guy at the gym who didn't have his shirt on and he had a little bit of extra belly fat. Like, Oh God, no. I wasn't talking about the gym. In the gym, I don't give a two shits okay. about being in the gym. I was talking about like if I'm out getting dressed in the middle of the road. like It's like, oh, oh okay. shit, I've got to change into a shirt. And like, no, because I'm in the middle of town and could be kind of seen as streaking. And I'm I brown. Don't know. So I don't challenge. I challenge you to do it. That there is the other thing as well. I'm brown, so taking a shirt off in the middle of the street can be very alarming for people because, like, he's going to blow some shit up, which has actually happened. I've been arrested for that before. Oh, God. Which was hilarious because I had to talk the officer down going, dude, I'm just getting changed. And he was like, really? I'm like, yeah. I was like, duh. He was like, all right, someone called it in, so we'll just take care of it. I'm like, people are so God, fucking weird. Awesome. But no, in, in the gym, I... Do not give two shits about what I look like. I literally, I'm in the gym because it's jujitsu, so you wear the gi and you have a rash guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's optional. Like in winter, I'll wear a rash guard because it's cold as shit and hard nipples are not a fun thing to go up against like wool. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no matter how warm you get, it's a weird feeling. Um, there's that, but like if it's summertime, how would you know? I'm just like gi straight on. If my, and most of the time my gi belt comes off, so it's like full on midriff, chest open, you can see everything. I'm like, Eh, enjoy the show. I'm happy with awesome. this. Love yeah, it. That stuff's fun. Um, but anyway, shit, what were we going to say? So that's actually really cool that you actually came back from anorexia and listened because there's a lot of people out there that don't. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that doctor's stupid. They don't know what's going on. And then just keep going down that path of self-destruction. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this much. I, I worked with a nutritionist for two years prior to that because, like, I knew that I wasn't – part of me knew that I had a problem, and I was like, okay, I want to work with a nutritionist so she can tell me exactly what to eat, when to eat, and how much to eat it so that I don't gain weight, but I'm still healthy. Because at that point, all I was eating was carrots and sugar-free jello, and <laughs> my hands were turning orange. And so so I did listen, but I don't, I don't want to make it sound like somebody just told me, you know – how to get better. And I was like, okay, good. Uh, sure. I'll do that. You know, it, it took several years of me negotiating with my nutritionist. She was like, okay, so if, if we're talking to this, you know, eating disorder voice in your head, I'm like, I don't have any eating disorder. I don't. She's like, okay. So if we were to talk to the voices in your head and I'm like, well, yeah, there's just like a critical voice, you know? Um, but so it, it took, it took about two years of some back and forth thing about it to make me realize like, oh, okay. I actually, I actually meet every single criteria on the anorexia checklist and I'm still denying that I have it. And then boom, one day I was like, fuck, okay, this is what I'm working with. Always fun when that realization does come up, right? Yeah. I think it's the most universal word used for when you're actually there is fuck. (laughs) 
There's there's <laughs> never like a whole thing like, oh, okay, I'm okay with this. It's just fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that 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 fuck comes from now now I'm aware of it. I either have to do something about it or I have to live in it willingly. Yeah, which is like, why would I do this to myself? What kind of stupidity is this? It's one of those weirdest moments. I mean, everyone has them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so much fun. Um, I, again, I, I told you before the show, I think my listeners know this, but for me, uh, they don't know when my moment was, but my moment really came up when uh, with stand-up. Hmm. Um, actually, it was just before stand-up. Sorry, I was, six, I was like 17 at the time. Uh, I got stopped and searched for carrying a gym bag by police officers because of the color of my skin. And at that moment, I was like, why am I being so- stopped? And they were like, uh, we have to check you for security reasons. I was like, in a gym bag that actually has my gym name on it and my club name and their information. They're like, yes, sir, just could you please comply? I'm like, all right, I'm 17 and stupid. Let's do it. But at the end, when I spoke to a friend, he goes, yeah, they're not supposed to do that to you. You're being profiled. And that was when the whole like, fuck that actually happens mm. so the choice is you can either be bitter about it at least for me or um you could have fun with it and i was like fuck it i'm gonna make this into a comedy routine just have fun with it as much as possible have fun with it that's awesome i i love that you did that because like at the end of the day as much as people may not want to um accept it or realize it like we always have a choice about how we feel mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. what we make in the situation we always have a choice Oh, yeah. I mean, I think um, we deny that one quite often because we don't want the responsibility. But the truth is, once you actually accept the responsibility, you kind of realize that the responsibility that you have is to choose that, well, fuck that feeling. I'm going to go be awesome. And you just just literally have it. I mean, um, it's actually the reason why my my username on Facebook is Awesome. It's just a constant (laughs) reminder to myself going, "Uh, dumbass, stop being dumb. Go be awesome. Enjoy that. Cool. Shit. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much more fun. It's what you do. You have fun with it. But yeah. Um, so the question I really wanted to ask you more or less here was, so in what capacity are, like how, actually, what type of yoga did you do? That was the first question I wanted to ask. I totally forgot to ask that. So what type of yoga? Because there's yin, Bikram, yang, normal, some other shit that I don't even know how to pronounce, even though I'm brown and supposed to be able to pronounce it, but still that kind of stuff. Yeah, I did a hot power vinyasa. That's the other one I couldn't pronounce. I knew it started with V, and that's the one I couldn't actually pronounce. Yeah. Getting shown up by a white girl. Come on, Adel. <laughs> you know, I still needed the, like, intensity of it. Um, I needed the heat. I needed the sweat. I needed the, like, sort of workout um, element of it to feel like I was still accomplishing something. Um <laughs> Oh my god, you, you hyper-competitive person, you. Yeah. It's like, I can't do normal. Why? I must make it tougher. Yes. My friend Lana teaches a restorative yoga class every Thursday. And for about 10 months, I forced myself to come to her class every week. And every week at the end of class, she would say, how was it? And I would say, I hated it. And she's like, why do you come? And I said, I know I need to come because I hate it so much. And she's like, I love that you keep showing up because like, you know, and I still feel this way. Like I hate restorative yoga. I don't want to do it like that. And that's where the work is for me. You know what I mean? That's so, um, if you had any hope of getting me into a yoga class in my recovery, it was going to be the like fun, playful, we're doing headstands, we're sweating, we're like standing on our hands. We're, you know, um, that was, that was going to be the only foray into yoga for me. But put me on my mat and lay me down in one pose for 10 minutes, I'll fucking murder everyone around me. <laughs> that is so brilliant. Okay, so is this the same friend called Lana that everyone was just walking around going, Lana, 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 and just yelled at her like the entire time until she turned around and said, what? Please tell me this is the same one. Yeah. Okay, I'm totally doing that to her. Don't tell her. But when I see her, I'm actually going to do this to her. Okay. I'm just going to be like, Lana. What Lana? What Lana? What? And then just yell at her. And she's going. She's going to yell at me. Please video this because I'm probably going to get get punched. Wait, okay. how tall? How tall is Lana? Just so I know her. Yeah, she's like five four. Okay, that's perfect. So she's going to go for mid range. That means move the body out the way. Yep. <laughs> hey, if you're going to get into a fight with someone, know what height they are so you know exactly what distance you need to keep. Right. Know your exit strategy. 
Exactly. Fighting 101. Know exactly how you're going to attack and how you're going to get the hell out of there. But, um, oh shit. So, cats, stop that. She's just beating him up. She's like, okay, the one that you saw walk behind me, that's Luna, that's my girl. She has this annoying habit of beating him up, like, she's just become Queen Bee. And apparently, every time I tell a woman, uh, any one of my female friends this, they're like, she's my spirit animal. I'm like, why? It's like, she walks out the bathroom and punches my boy cat in the face. I'm like, could you not? Could you just not? Could you, for like, five minutes, could you not do that to him? Yes, Queen Bee. Yes, Queen! She actually tried to swipe at me once, which was really funny. Like, I told, um, I told one of my friends this, and she went... Okay, that's going to play out one of two ways. Either you're going to get really annoyed about it and, like, because they're Bengals, so you have to teach them as wild animals. As in, like, if they fight, you got to kind of pin them and go, no, so they know that you're the alpha of the group. Um, or not. I was like, no, I pinned her. And they're like, but you secretly enjoyed it because you like play fighting with things, don't you? I was like, yeah. They're like, if you had a leopard in front of you and everyone told you to run, you'd stand your ground and play with that leopard. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. It's the competitiveness. I know you would do the same thing because you'd be like, Oh yeah? Say I can't tame this leopard? Watch me! <laughs> and I'll do it faster than you. <laughs> Pretty much. It'll be like one of those things for us competition. If we were both stood there, it'd be like... We wouldn't be so much worried about, like, if the other one's going to die. It would be, are they going to get this leopard to come to me first, or are they going to go to them first? Because whoever wins this gets the bragging rights. So, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Wait, are you a sore loser or are you just like a good, good loser? Isn't it? You're like, all right, I'm cool with this. You won. Or are you like, I will fucking murder you. I used to be a very sore loser. Very sore loser. Um, and now, thanks to yoga, I am much more gracious. She says that until you push her in the wrong place. Basically, right, sometimes I... I'll ignore that I lose. And I'm just, just like, okay, when's our next match? You know? <laughs> Um, but I'm much more... <laughs> oh my god. That is that is genuinely... like The thought I had in my mind was, like, we are playing pool when I come to the US because I like playing pool. But I have this really weird feeling that if I win, it's going to be that thing where I'm not allowed to leave the bar. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning, but like, one more game. One more game. Let's keep going. One more game. <laughs> the only problem with that is, like, I'm such a grandma, I'm asleep by, like, 10 o'clock. So I'll be like, I'm going to rematch you eight times at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hold your champion bragging rights from the hours of 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. And then we just, then we hit it again. But the best part of that is that I actually have this feeling that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is that if I even bragged once, it's like, I'm going to destroy you. I'm like, so the best thing is don't brag, just chill and let it go. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, chill. my whole thing has gone from being really like, yeah, look at me to like, they know I won. They just need to know. And then bring it up in text every so often. <laughs> just to rub it in. <laughs> yeah, just like every 10 weeks or so. Like, hey, um, have you been practicing pool? Why? Because look at this epic trick shot I just did. <laughs> Fucking hate you, Adol. Hate you and kill you. Right, once yeah, you want right? to send a text just to ruin someone's day. <laughs> I do that to my friend Betty all the time. It's like, because um, we're both, this is how messed up it is. We're both born on the same day, at the same year, same month, everything. Uh... We both have the same stomach condition. We both have a similar mixed background in our heritage. <laughs> and we're both sassy as fuck when it comes to it. The only difference yeah. is she's tall. She's shorter than I am. She's five foot tall and I'm six foot tall. So that's like a, a full foot of uh, height difference. But she has a massive afro, so it kind of makes up for, her, for the height difference. <laughs> but it's so brilliant because I'm four hours, uh, so I'm four hours older than she is. She refuses to accept that September 30th is my birthday. She's like, oh, wait, what's happening? My birthday's happening? Your birthday's the day before or after, right? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Genuinely, I've had a four-hour argument with this woman about this for the last four years. We've just nonstop gone at each other, like, happy my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> she can't share the stage. Well, neither one of us can. It's really got to that point where we're just like, all right, we'll concede over a game of Tekken. The winner gets gets bragging rights. Okay, and then one of you can uh, celebrate the half-birthday. Yeah, you say that, but then whoever wins just wants to have a rematch and goes, one more game, one more game. <laughs> You're just playing Tekken until you die. That's pretty much happened. We we forgot to eat for a day at one point because of it. Like, we just kept playing, and it's like, the result's not going to change. 
it didn't help. But anyway, there was a question I did want to ask you. It's like, because um, you touched upon it earlier, but I really want to get into this. When you're at your absolute lowest, I'm talking like confidence is crushed to like dust. You have no idea what's going on and you have no idea how you're going to pick yourself back up. What did you do in retrospect to get yourself back up? Hmm. Well, I think I spent a lot of time in the doldrums at my lowest, ignoring that I had any feelings around um, being at my lowest. So that was like a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, a lot of going to raves, like a lot of, you know, checking out, like as like maximum checkout. Um, and so I think I think I needed to go through a sort of an extended period of time of like feeling my lowest so that I could, because I was so numb to actually feeling anything at all. Um, it, it took about a year and change or so in working with, um, my nutritionist slash therapist to like get me to identify a feeling. <laughs> and she's like, well, how did you feel about that? And I was like, well, um, I could understand why so-and-so did that. And she's like, that's not a feeling. Um, I'm like, what, what do you mean that's not a feeling? And she's like, how did you feel about it? And I'm like, I don't know. So, so I, I say that to say that like I, I had to experience kind of the lowest of the low for a while. And then to come out of it, I think I, um, I, think I was just sick of it. And I knew that I wanted um, to feel differently. And so I started doing the things that my, um, my like, you know, psychological, like homework assignments, which were journaling, um, talking to a friend, like I would have assignments that would be like, okay, when you talk to a friend and they do something that you don't like, I want you to tell them like what that was like for you. Novel concept, I know. And I know a lot of people still struggle with that. And I still do, depending on the friend or the situation or whatever. Um, but I think, I think when you're at your lowest point, you just have to decide that you... The risk of doing something differently um, is less painful than where you're living now because we all get to that like rock bottom point and so you just have to decide like have have you know like courage is like realizing that like sort of the thing that you want is more important than the place where you're living now and then you just do it be damned and like I love this quote so much it goes uh the way that it works is this it's not fair, but we get the courage to do the things that scare us shitless after we do them, not before. That's a brilliant quote. I'm actually going to be, yeah, so I'm putting that up as one of the, like, talking points there because that is so true. Yeah, you just have to decide that the thing that you that you want on the other side of where you are now is more important than um, being addicted to your current situation. And that could look like asking for help from a friend, a mental health professional, from a family member, um, from meditation, from yoga, from a fitness class, from a coach, from a teacher, whatever. Um, but I think the, I think the tendency when you're feeling that low is to really isolate um, and to be to become an island and to just like suck yourself as far down as you can into this like vortex and this black box of like I'm alone. Nobody else has felt the type of pain that I'm feeling now. Nobody else understands how I'm suffering. Nobody gets the depth of it, and I'm embarrassed to talk about it. I don't want to share. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to show up. And I think the more that we can start to open up that box and that experience with other people, the more you can start to shed, it's like an onion, the more you can start to kind of peel back the layers of like god awful and shitty and wretched and and then you can get to the stuff on the inside which is like, that's where all the magic is, that's where the brilliance is and that's where, you know, if you can get to that spot and live in that place, that, that's where like you let your magic out. That's amazing because that's so true. Um... It's insane when you were saying that I was agreeing with so many goddamn points because I'm like, yeah, no, you will isolate a lot. Um, by the way, for everyone that's listened to this, I have a challenge for you. 
And that challenge is quite simple. For the next 30 days, from wherever you listen to this, I want you to be vulnerable to at least one person, even if it's yourself, in a journal about how you really feel. And cool. like, and help. You know what? Tag me in it if it's on Facebook. Because now, in today's world, more than ever, you have to kind of have an appearance. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, there's a lot of people I know online where they just kind of like go, yeah, I know, everything's amazing and blah, and whatever. And then like you talk to them personally, you're like, dude, your life is a fucking wreck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, like the whole thing of like, if, there's, if you've got nothing kind to say or nothing of value to say, then don't say anything was kind of a maxim that was given to me for a long time ago that I never turned away from. And now I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. as you, I don't know if you saw my post last night or whatever, but I posted up this whole thing about like, yeah, I feel really shitty. Like, ta-da, welcome to the club, it happens. And I'd like the most beautiful message from a guy called Chip Franks, who will be on this podcast soon. Um, he sent me this long-ass message going, dude, it's the price of genius. If you feel shitty now, it's the price of genius. Every human goes through it. All they need to do is the people that deny they'll feel this will feel it worse. The people don't embrace it will feel it worse. Fucking embrace what you're going through right now. Yeah. Find a friend, talk to them. Even if it's just simple as like getting on the phone with them and going, Hey man, I feel really shitty today. Do you mind if we talk for five minutes? Mm-hmm. If they're a friend of yours, they're not going to say no. What they're going to say is like, cool, what's going on? What's on your mind? If you don't have any friends like that, get some fucking friends like that. They're going to actually stand <laughs> by you. It's not Rick, hard. How do you feel when somebody comes to you and says, I just want to share the real shit with you? And you're like, fuck, I feel so honored and grateful that you're willing to share that piece of you with me. So I guarantee you, if you're like feeling squirrely about reaching out to a friend and sharing something about yourself like they're not going to be judging you they're going to be like damn they picked me like that's pretty cool yeah and if you don't share with them you're actually robbing the that positive feeling from them you're stealing the positive feeling of them actually reciprocating uh, reciprocating gratitude because don't get me wrong you be the, you can be the rock of your family and your market and your industry whatever it is but you'll need someone to talk to you'll need a confidant you'll need a friend you'll need someone that you can just well I'm not big on the crying thing simply because I can't do it and I hate everyone that can, so fuck everyone that can cry. But um, but being able to even emotionally emote in that level, don't hate it. Embrace it. If you're a man and you're like, I cry, who gives a shit? In fact, other men will find that vulnerability as a way for them to emote. Because, again, social engineering teaches us that like men have kind of had a shitty time. Like, women have had a shitty time. Don't get me wrong. They, they have. Men have had a shitty time emotionally, though, because we're not allowed to show emotion. You show emotion, you're considered weak. Um, it, ain't a, it ain't a fun party to be at. But now we've got a revolution going. Where people right, so up. for those of you guys out there who want to, like, pave the way as this, like, you know, the new warrior or the 21st century man or whatever you want to call yourself, like, that's, that's how it's got to go. Like, yeah. you know, what you shared on Facebook, you know, about the real shit, like, that's the new way. It's... It's not having it be this, like, you know, saccharine, sweet, like, highlight reel. Yeah. Like, the real pioneers and the real leaders and the real people that are, like, being, you know, thought of as thought leaders or industry leaders or whatever are the people who shared the full spectrum of yeah. what's going on. Entirely. Which leads me to my one of my favorite questions I love asking on this podcast. By the way, the other way that I always get my help is by doing these podcasts. Because you can speak to people and it's so much more fun. Yay! But um, so my favorite, so my favorite question to ask is for people that are going through anything that we've spoken about, like they're going through a hardship, a struggle somewhere where they don't feel like themselves as absolute vulnerability or they're not whatever, they're stuck in whatever they're doing. And this is mostly business people we're talking about, because let's be honest, that's the market that is mostly listening. Those are the people that are mostly listening to us. And that's most of the people we speak to. What three pieces of advice would you give them? to take action today on to go ahead and get started like what what would you to help them feel better to get out of their own way and that's a big ask but that is a that is a great question um okay so number one i'll say this much um number one take action any kind of action, whether it's finding, if you're like just in the beginning of stages and you don't even know like what you want to call yourself, like just brainstorm some names, ask some friends, like, um, or maybe that means you send out a survey or something. Like, I don't care what the action looks like, but just in the process of taking action, not only are you going to feel 
less like a waste of space, like bump on a log, shitty human that's doing nothing with your life. Um, but you're going to get the confidence um, because you've actually done something. And then that is sort of a snowball effect. So, you know, if you're, if you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast, <laughs> and oh, you're still have. listening. <laughs> um, I would say like, pick that thing on your to-do list that you have, that's been, that's, that's gone from your to-do list from like, January to February. We all have that like one or two thing that like ends up on your to-do list like every single fucking day and you still haven't do it, done it. So like take take that thing that you've been putting off and just put some action steps to it and just do it. And what that's going to do is it's going to open up this like um, sort of floodgate of like, I don't, I don't want to say floodgates of productivity, but it's going to open up something for you. It's going to open up some some inspiration to do more. It's gonna open up a feeling of accomplishment. It's gonna open up um, energetic opportunities that are gonna come your way, whatever it is. So number one, just take fucking action. Number two, I would say use your community around you. Use the people around you who love you, support you, wanna see you succeed. So whether that means, you know, like let's say you wanna start a podcast, find a homie and be like, will you be my first guest? Um, Or uh, ask somebody who may be in your target market if you can take them to lunch and pick their brain um, and ask them questions. Like whatever it looks like, use the people um, around you um, to lift you up, to support you. Um, And then the other thing that, um, something that I do that I have found really helpful is Um, so I'm a big fan of this book called The Big Leap. Have you heard of it? Yeah, you're like the eighth person to mention it in the last week to me. So it's on my, it's on my order list. Okay. So The Big Leap is a really awesome book and it talks about the ways that we upper limit ourselves. We all have this ceiling for how good we can stand it in our lives. And that looks like financial success. It looks like relationship success, happiness, health, um, physical fitness, abundance, whatever. And we all have this ceiling. And when we start to approach this ceiling of like feeling good, we find these little ways to self-sabotage, whether that's you get a cold, um, you start um, missing deadlines, you make up little like lies to your coworkers, you, um, you get a bunch of parking tickets, like all these things to help um, knock you back down. The ego is trying to keep you safe. It's trying to be like, hey, I know what life is like, you know, down here. I don't know what it's like above this line, above this upper limit, so I'm going to keep you down here. So we all do things that um, sabotage uh, our growing success and pushing past our upper limit. And so one of the things that I've done is I've set three reminders in my phone um, that go off every single day. Um, I set them in my calendar. One goes off at 6.30 in the morning, one goes off at noon, and one goes off at like 4.45. And my first alarm at six something in the morning is, um, my like sort of daily mantra, um, for how I want to feel for the day. So my, and I change them every, you know, whenever it feels necessary to change them. So first thing I see when I wake up and see my phone is a calendar alert that goes off. It says, I am, um, I am abundant. I am vibrant and I, um, and I'm a vessel for, uh, you know, brilliant ideas. And then at noon, um, an alarm goes off that says, um, I, something to the effect of like, I have a, you know, I can tell you my phone is right here. <laughs> um, I should Android know this. or iPhone? iPhone. Good woman. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Android users. I'm not a fan of your work. <laughs> okay. So, so here we go. Here we go. Six, six twenty-five in the morning. Um, it says, I commit to living in my zone of genius now and forever. So that's just a reminder to me to like let go of the things that drag me down um, and to stay in my sweet spot, stay in my lane. Um, and then at noon, I have a reminder that says, I'm a vessel for an abundance of ideas that serve myself and others. And then at 2.30, one goes off that says, I commit to discovering my upper limit behaviors and having a good time while learning about them. That's key, like enjoying the process of discovering the ways that you kind of self-sabotage. Um, 
And then at night before I go to bed, an alarm goes off that says, I expand into love, success, and abundance as I inspire those around me to do the same. That's amazing. So I see those four things every single goddamn day. See, that's amazing. And it, 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 it has totally helped this mental shift, this mindset for me around, I'm always seeing these reminders of abundance and good ideas and my genius and sort of bursting, you know, through my upper limit. Um, so that would be my third piece of advice. Like, you know, take one, two or three mantras that like resonate for you and stick them in your phone. So you're always getting this feedback, um, constantly, uh, and so I got some of those from The Big Leap. So if you guys want to get the book and read it, you can steal those straight from it or you can pick your own. Definitely. I think my cat agrees with you. All about it. I'm all about the positivity. In fact, I kind of want to get like a messed... I, I really want to fuck with this. At some point, I'm going to make... I'm going to go back to his Instagram because he has his own Instagram. Um, when you have enough of your friends asking for it, you're like, fine, I'll create one. But um, <laughs> just make one that like is a daily mantra with a new photo of him. It just works so much better. That's awesome. You guys can follow that. It'll be fun. Anyway, so that being said, I did want to touch back on point number two. Yeah. Um, which I'm trying to remember exactly what point number two was because, like, you've covered so much. My brain was like, damn it. Yeah. You, number two is use your community. That's just one. Cool. Right. So basically what you had said was ask someone, like, if you can take them to lunch and pick their brain. Best way you can do that as well as getting someone onto a podcast is if you're friends with them on Facebook, just message them and be mm-hmm. like, hey, look, totally love your work, the work you're doing if you're following them and if you do like the work. Or, hey, I'm starting this podcast. I really want you to be one of my first guests because um, you just share so much great shit. Would there be a possibility for us to work together or at least be you be one of the guests on my show? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this right now. Nine out of ten times, they'll say yes. Uh, the one out of ten they'll say no is because they actually have a legit reason. Like uh, my buddy Chris McCombs, he doesn't do podcasts. So when I get to California, I'm doing a road trip to his house, sitting him down and get him to do a podcast. To give you guys mm-hmm. an idea of how big Chris is, uh, Chris is six foot, like th- four or five or something. He's a really big dude and he's like 320. Like, big dude. I'm a, buck, I'm a buck 55 to a buck 60 at that point when I get there. Not going <laughs> to be, it's, it's going to be like, all right, let's see what we can do here. Like you weigh <laughs> twice as much as me, but I'm really nice. And I brought you cookies. So sit down and eat the cookies and um, secretly record him just as he's talking. He's like, podcast done. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, like, as long as you use your community, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, um, people in your neighborhood, people in your freaking neighborhood, your friendship circle. There are so many ways that you guys can do this. It's absolutely amazing. And that's an amazing background. That being said, uh, Molly, you'd actually, you've not set up your site because Vibrancy is going to be the site that everyone goes to anyway. So guys, there's going to be a coming soon that page, just opt in or whatever it is because that'll be there. But in the interim, if you do want to talk to Molly, you've got a Calendly link that you use. What What is it? I do have a Calendly link. So that's calendly.com um, slash Vibrancy Coaching. Um, but Vibrancy is spelled V-I-B-R- I N C Y because I vibrancy is an inside job. Oh, sweet. I like that. So that's calendly, uh, C A L E N D L Y.com slash vibrancy coaching, V I B R I N C Y coaching. Man, my cat is all over you right now. He's just like, dude, I tell you, you go see it. But yeah, go go check it out. There's going to be a link in the description and below the show. As always, we're sponsored by Vibrancy.com, AdamLamarch.com, uh, and StorySoundBlueprint.com. Guys, go check those things out, and I will see you on the very next episode of Adam Marcy Unplugged. Thank you again for being here, Molly. Thank you.